You're listening to episode number 10 of the Boys Build Better podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about complex regional pain syndrome. Welcome to the Boys Build Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Today we are talking about complex regional pain syndrome, which is a rare occurrence in both adults and kids, but it's something that I have personal experience with. Last year, my oldest was diagnosed with it quite quickly after a soccer injury. I just thought it'd be good to have a chat with somebody about it. It, It's something that you probably haven't heard of. And when we first found out about it, it was something that we felt like was quite devastating. Uh, My son seems to kind of go in and out of having flare-ups. And we haven't had to seek a lot of medical advice. And and also, I should say that neither me nor my guest, Shauna Kagan, are doctors. So if you feel like this is something you need to talk to with a doctor about, go ahead and follow up with your medical practitioner. So with that, let's cut on over to the interview. Hi, Shauna. How are you? Hello. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. Shauna, you're coming to us from South Africa. So just as a little icebreaker, we are. I am here in the U.S. and I, I can imagine that um, uh, most of the people listening have never been to South Africa. So what are three things that uh, listeners of Boys Built Better might not know about South Africa? Well, firstly, it's a great city. They haven't been here because it is a wonderful country, a beautiful place. And we live in Cape Town in South Africa, which is right on the south of South Africa. And um, we live between Table Mountain and the sea. So we're in a really beautiful area called Sea Point. Um, obviously, Cape Town being very... Um, prominent with its mountain, very recognizable throughout the world. Um, one or two other things I can tell you. This time of the year, a lot of tourists come here. They, um, an hour away from Cape Town, I think it's actually, lot, sorry, two hours away, um, you can watch the whales and have their babies. And it's quite an amazing experience. That you sounds awesome. Is, it is awesome. We go every year. Um, you actually watch them from cliffs. So they actually come right in close to the land and it's one of the few places in the world that you can actually do that. A lot of tourists love to see that. And also, we are one of the top 10 wine countries in the world. So an hour out of Cape Town, you can go and drink as many different kinds of wines as you would like. I think you, I think you sold it well. <laughs> Everybody will rush Everybody's going to be booking tickets. You're going to be inundated. Right. Um, so for listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, so we live in Sea Point, which is probably one of the nicest areas on the Atlantic seaboard. And it's where a lot of the tourists want to stay. So we actually run an estate agency, which um, we actually specialize in accommodation, short-term accommodation. So hopefully they'll come and find us. And um, we, we, we accommodate them in privately owned apartments, which people all over the world buy. And then we rent them out for them. Well, I'll have you send me the link to that if you've got a website. And I can put it up along with the episode if anybody's interested in visiting Cape Town. 
Wonderful. Uh, and you also are the owner of a charity, which we're actually going to talk a little bit later about because it's sort of around the, the entire thing that we're going to talk about today. And we're talking about um, something called CRPS and in it happens to be November is CRPS Awareness Month. And I know for me personally, up until this time last year, I had never heard about CRPS before. Uh, can you go ahead and tell us what CRPS is? Okay, so um, CRPS is, is um, short for Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. Called that because that's exactly what it is. It's complex and it normally starts off in a region, normally a joint and it's pain, um, a terrible pain, and um, obviously a pain syndrome. And we say it's a neural disease which starts in a joint, either from a slight injury or a could be a bacteria infection which might settle in a joint. And what this slight injury or this bacteria does is it upsets the nerves in that area. And because they're upset, they don't just send one message of pain to the brain, they send a continual message of pain to the brain. They actually now go completely hectic and haywire. And because of their, their, un, um, their, their path that's now haywire they, and crazy, they're now sending these continual messages to the brain. So that's the, the cycle of pain that begins. So somebody who is diagnosed with CRPS would be experiencing continuous pain in that joint. Is that correct? Correct, correct. Now, I'm assuming um, that you know about this because you have personal experience with it. Can you go ahead and tell uh, listeners your story? Okay, yes. We, when um, Jed came home one day from school, sat down in a chair, and uh, a few minutes later, he realized he actually couldn't stand up. And that was the beginning of our change of life. And for about four weeks, we struggled to find any diagnosis except for the fact that he was absolutely normal after many blood tests, MRIs, CT scans, X-rays, etc., etc. And eventually someone said to us, go to this pediatrician who had been around for 50 years and he actually specializes in rare diseases in children. So we went to him and he actually, the minute Jed walked into his his um, practice, he actually pointed at Jed and he said, I know what this is. And he said, it's SUDEC, which is the word that Crips was known as 50 years ago. He said, it's, it's SUDEC. He said, I know what it is. He said, but I've never seen a child with it. So he knew what it was, but unfortunately, we then didn't know what to do about it. So then we had to find someone who did. So that was another couple of weeks until we were eventually put on the path to Red Cross Hospital. And you said that this doctor had never seen anybody with it, especially a child. So this this complex regional pain syndrome is something that is rare. It's very rare in children. Um, Jed was the 10th patient treated at our hospital, and that's for the whole of Africa. And And I can do some research, and I'll put up some numbers on the show notes for this page about what what people experience here in the U.S. Um, yes. and, and because of that, it's a struggle to get diagnosed, right? It sounds like you took a, it took a long time to get diagnosed. And then once you were diagnosed, you had to, to find somebody who knew what to do. Correct. And even with the diagnosis, they weren't quite sure because they didn't want to quite believe that a child could get it. 
So, you know, it went backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. And in the meantime, Jed was slightly getting worse and worse and, and very minimally every day. But we could see that he was. So what happened then after, uh, after you got your diagnosis and you were directed to the Red Cross? Okay, so then we had to make an appointment with the Red Cross. It is our um, children's government hospital. So you have to wait like any other normal government institution in a country. So we had to wait um, about two weeks for our um, pain clinic to see us. And when we did get there, though, we were very happy to know that they knew everything about Crips. In fact, the professor who had started the protocol on Crips maybe 10 years before Jed was, or maybe it was five years, sorry, maybe five years, I'm giving you the wrong information, because um, they had about two children a year with Crips. Um, she actually had retired a year ago, and she actually came to meet Jed to see if he um, ticked all the boxes with Crips. So we were very well um, uh, welcomed, and we were very excited to meet them. And they put him on tablets straight away. And what what is the prognosis for somebody who is diagnosed with this? Um, the prognosis is good, as long as they um, they are um, diagnosed early. And and I did ask them um, because Jed was obviously only three months in, and I even said to them if Jed had come there two years later, what would have happened? And they said that would have still been fine if it if it's a child because child's nerves are very elastic. So the prognosis in children is supposedly good. And one other question just about CRPS in general. You said, and, and you're calling it CRIPS, so maybe I need to do that because I may be mispronouncing it, uh, uh, the acronym. Um, you said that it starts in one joint. Does it always stay there or can it transform? No, it, it definitely um, moves. Because it's a nerve disease and the nerves are in every part of the body, um, it basically moves. So it will go from that joint, it will spread. With Jed, he's in three months and it spread from his knee up to his upper thigh and down right down to his foot. So you couldn't touch any part of that, um, of that part of his body. Um, his was actually quite a slow spread, but they are faster and they are slower. So I think everybody has their own their own journey like any other disease. You know, it varies. And you mentioned, you know, within these three months it spread. And these were the three months where you kind of knew something was happening and wound up with a diagnosis but had to wait to the pain clinic. And in the meantime, your son is, I'm assuming he's in extraordinary and growing amounts of pain in his leg. And... It's so painful it can't he can't walk on it and it can't be touched, right? He wasn't able to walk at it from from the first minute. He was immediately with crutches. Um, I don't know if you see the pictures of the kids with crutches. He looked exactly you could just put his face into one of them and he looked exactly like that, hanging on those crutches every day. Um, by the third month before we were admitted, he totally was bedridden. And and because this is, we're talking about a nerve that's in, inflamed and in pain, like an over-the-counter pain medicine really isn't something that's going to help this pain at all, right? 
No, we tried all kinds of pain medication, but I mean, we gave them up within the first two weeks. And how did that affect his schooling? I'm assuming, I know that we, we have a, a, a minimal experience with it. And my son was diagnosed with something that was creating um, disproportionate amount of pain in his leg after a soccer injury and he couldn't walk. It was, it's a lot of the same things, which is why we were diagnosed with it. Um, and it significantly affect his ability to go to school. Yes, Jed couldn't go to school. It was impossible. If, if kids were running near him, it affected him because just a jerk, if he jerked, he would be in pain. Or if even anybody brushed up against it, right? Even if there was a ball bouncing in the distance, he, his anxiety would, would make him not want to walk anywhere because he, you know, he'd see this ball and he'd think that it would hit him. So the nerves actually make their, their anxiety heighten and, and everything just goes haywire. But no, he couldn't go to school. And that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you, because I know personally with our experience, one of the things that the tr thing that was really upsetting my son the most is that he looked fine. You know, by yes. all accounts, yes. he looked fine and he could not put his foot down because it hurt so bad. And so he right. he didn't want to go to school because he was afraid that somebody would touch it and it hurt to walk. And just to be in school was really hard. But then he also felt really self-conscious that people thought he was making it up, that, you know, that he was being a big baby. And I think... The, you know, for me, that's like the big reason why I want to talk about it, because it's unlikely that that the people, anybody listening is going to have personal experience with with this. But I, I just feel like there's so many things that exist and can happen that that just in general, we need to give everybody a break. And if somebody's telling you that they're having a problem, then you just need to go ahead and believe them. Yes. Look, it's, it's a very difficult disease to believe. I mean, even sometimes as the mother, you don't believe it. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> so for, for other kids to believe it, it's not easy. And when and we live just up the road from the school, so it was very easy for Jed's friends to come and visit, which actually was beautiful because, you know, it kept his mind off the disease. But we always had to make sure that they weren't touch him or you know, we always had to be aware of where they were sitting, what they were doing. We would have to prop him up against the wall. I mean, there was always, we could never, ever be free of the crypts on our minds. Right. And the children don't understand it because like with every other disease, as the time goes along, you get better. Mm -hmm. But with, you actually get worse. You get worse. So, correct. It's a very difficult disease to explain to people. And um, families and friends don't understand it. And as I said, even we don't understand it. So it's, it's difficult for us to explain to people. The nice thing about when we actually were eventually admitted was that our hospital gave us the number of the previous patient. Oh, great. And they, had, they had almost had the identical journey that we were having. And they were our angels through every move that we made in the hospital. They were holding our hands and they weren't near us. And we never met them till about a year and a half later. But me and this mother spoke every minute of the day. And without her, I would have thought I was mad. And, you know, we've, we've mentioned the, like, within the, what time you met them, a couple of years. When, what was the year that this um, happened when, when Jed first got? September the 9th. 
2016. Yes. Um, so you finally get to the Red Cross. Can you talk to to us about what the treatment options are for CRPS? Yes. So um, when they first um, tickle the boxes, they put them on gabapentin. And I think there's a generic now, but there wasn't at the time Jed went in, and clonidine. Um, gabapentin is an epileptic medication, and clonidine is for migraines. So both of those try and settle the nerve messages in the brain. So some children will actually um, come right just with the medication, and they've actually managed to put their foot down and put pressure on their foot. And obviously some children can't. So then the next step would be the admission. And with the admission, they get a ketamine infusion, which is a very low uh, infusion. And it's all done with their weight and their, um, their, their age. And it's within three days, they're from a 10 to a zero in pain. But then the rest of the treatment is the amazing part. It's not just the ketamine. When, when I say to people, Jed had ketamine, they say, oh, but my child had ketamine and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And that is because the rest of the world don't know that it's a nerve disease. Mm -hmm. You cannot just have medication. It has to be a whole holistic approach. It has to come from within. It's within and without. And at our Red Cross, they have an interdisciplinary team with about 15 people that surround our children. They actually get into the child's mind and the family's mind. And we used to say at the time that they knew us better than we knew ourselves. And they actually do an individual approach. And that's what gets the children right. So tell me more about that. So beyond medication, um, what what types what else were you doing so the whole the whole um treatment has to be on an extremely positive level mm -hmm. there can be no negativity i always used to say to the sister you know behind the bed they put no um uh, food no per mouth before they're going to um theater i used to say they should put a sign here behind the crips patients um no negativity mm -hmm. because the crips patients have to be positive. They have to know that they can achieve their small, tiny goals every day. They have to know that the families behind them, that the nursing sisters are behind them, that everyone believes in them and believes that they're going through this pain. There cannot be someone who says, oh, rubbish, you're doing this nonsense. Mm -hmm. Be it that that's the parent, sometimes it is, or be it that that's someone in the ward, or be it at someone else in the area. It has to be a completely positive approach. With our team, they have, a, from a physiotherapist, they've got a, a life coach, they've got a aromatherapist, they've got a music therapist, they come and do their schoolwork there, so they don't have to worry about that. It just goes on and on. They've got about two or three doctors that come in, and um, it's just an amazing, amazing, empathetic, loving environment. And even I moved in there with Jed. We were there for the five days of the ketamine infusion. And I actually didn't want to go home again because we were just so accepted with this strange disease that we didn't want to go home and have to explain it to people again. Sure. They just knew us and we were okay. 
And that's so important. And it's so difficult to explain that to people. And I don't even think Red Cross quite know why they actually are able to fix these children, but they've got it. Wow. You know, it's so this is still something that we deal with on and off. My son seems to have these relapses that last for a couple of days. And it's interesting that you say that the whole thing needs to be positive because we have noticed a direct connection between when he has a relapse and when he has like a moment of stress. Um, so these, for him, these relapses, yeah, absolutely. That, and that, Mm -hmm. that your whole, that nerve system is so directly related to your brain. And when it, when exactly, yes. Yeah. When your nerve is fired up, it, it means that that connection into your brain is also fired up. Absolutely. What about also those tablets that they put them on like right from the start, those also, um, affect the nerves. So, you know, you've got the whole variety of, of, um, things that are, adding to the the pressure of the treatment. I would love to know, I I can imagine that, especially for your son, probably for you as well, that to be able to stay positive during this, um, when you are in pain. And now I know that the, the medication helps to calm all of that down, but, but was your son also, when he was admitted to the hospital, not only dealing with the pain, but was there some anxiety and depression that sort of came up as well as a result? Yes, there was. He was actually suicidal before we got into the hospital. He tried to jump off the top of our house. Because the pain was so immense. Well, you know, I think at that stage, one, the pain, and he, and he actually thought that no one would ever be able to help him. He actually saw himself in this pain and stuck in it for good. Mm. He just thought, that's it. I'm done. And it's a very, very scary thing for children. That's why we always say now that when they come out on the other side, they're absolutely amazing kids. And they are. I've met a lot in South Africa and they're just wonderful young leaders in society. Well, I mean, it's certainly... You do have to, you would, inevitably, you're going to grow as a person when you are th- you, through that much agony and then absolutely. see it through it. Yeah. You, you grow more than you have to go through what most adults haven't. So, an experience. Um, now, what about, uh, is this something that, your son, he, you were in the hospital for five days and he was feeling better. Can you tell me more about after? Because you said you were afraid to come out, right? Because you didn't, you felt so comfortable there and accepted there. What happens when you're released? Okay, so basically the, the ketamine took the pain levels down, but then they've still got to learn to walk through the fear of the pain. Mm-hmm. And that's where the whole holistic and the positivity come in because they now haven't been able to walk. They have to learn that it's okay to walk on that leg because it's not actually going to injure them. It, you know, it was sore, but it's not going to, it's not a break. You know, there's a difference between a Crips pain and a normal break pain. Mm-hmm. They're still going to have normal pain, but there's a, a huge difference. So um, he got out of hospital they they wanted him to be off crutches, but he was still on crutches for at least a month or two. 
And then slowly, one day we realized that my husband and I were actually carrying the crutches and he wasn't actually using them anymore. But we were still carrying them under our arm, Mm -hmm. just in case. And then we started leaving the crutches and then he was limping quite a bit. And then um, by about June, he actually went off all the tablets and he's been absolutely fine since then. No echoes, no nothing. No tablets, nothing. June last year. So it's almost a year and a half. And and for him, this the syndrome has gone away. Yes. In fact, um, I've, I mean, I'm in contact with the pain clinic all the time now. And they've actually said that they think that our children that they've repaired are actually not even chronic anymore. Wow. And when they said that to me, I was actually shocked because, you know, we always knew it as a chronic disease. And... It was a strange thing for me because I was almost hanging on to that negative and I thought, you know, that's what a lot of people actually do. Mm-hmm. They hang on to that negative and, and it was like, actually, I, I didn't want to let it go. And then I thought, hey, wait, it's not such a bad thing if it's not chronic. And I thought, oh, okay, not so bad. <laughs> no, it would be <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. It was actually quite a strange experience to let go of the word chronic. Now, when you were talking about Jed kind of getting back on his feet without crutches, you know, he had not walked for so long. Were you were you guys working with a physical therapist as well to kind of aid that along? Yes. When when we came home, he did quite intensive physiotherapy, and they've got a lady that then, um, she's quite involved with the hospital, but she's also private, and she knew his whole story, and she came and did his physio at home. And is that part of the standard treatment for for this as well is to be be working with a physical therapist. Yes, throughout the whole hospital experience, there's the physio. But once yes. the pain has calmed down, or even when he was only, still in pain, only, only when the pain has come down. They don't. And then the first few times the physio sees them, they call it Crips physio. It's only getting the mind to know that they can walk. Not even like we think of physio, like moving your joint and. Um, like a boot camp. It's not like that at all. It's basically just getting their brain. They actually sit with them for an hour and tell them that it's okay. And then they might start moving their ankle. So they do it very slowly and very easy. And they actually ease the kids into it, which we didn't know at first. I mean, we warned Jed, we said, oh my gosh, you're going to walk and it's going to be so painful and you, it's going to be terrible. Just get over it. And, but <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. So when these hospitals make these children like go through their pain, I, I don't know how they can do that. There's a lot of things that upset me about the rest of the world and how they deal with Crips. Mm-hmm. It, it upsets me that they tell an eight-year-old that, that they will never walk again because that child probably won't because she now believes a doctor. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it just when the prognosis that is written for Crips in children is good. And that's really great to know if if you're somebody outside of your local area and you've received this diagnosis, what would be your advice to a parent outside of where you know that you guys got great treatment? What would be your recommendation for... for well, um, we, we actually help anybody who's in the in like South Africa. They, they know how to get hold of us. They find us. Today, in fact, someone from Johannesburg, which is a couple of hours away on a, on a plane, mm-hmm. um, they actually phoned us and said they, it was a physio. I've never met her, but 
she got hold of us on on um, the website and she phoned to say what must she do and she gave me um, a few of her details and it sounded like Crips. Now we have this doctor who originally saw Jed who didn't know what it was and didn't know where to send him. He's now very involved with us. So we actually um, refer patients to him almost direct. They don't even have to go through a doctor. If they're in Cape Town, they, they actually, we actually make an appointment with him direct on the phone. But I have given her his number to speak to directly. And um, it's very difficult to know anybody in Johannesburg that might know what he does. Mm-hmm. But he might be able to get a doctor to talk to him so that they can work things out to determine if it is crypt or not. But if, he, if they are positive with crypt, they're going to have to come to Red Cross at this stage. Our, our um, medical aid and our um, private hospitals don't cover us for this disease yet. Any advice? Any advice to someone living here in the United States? Well, I, I would. I've often tried to bring kids here from overseas, but it's a government hospital here, and even though they do look after overseas kids, it it would be a terrible wait and not worth it. But you know, the only thing I can say is stay positive and you have to fight until you find that right person and the right team. Right. And, and don't, don't allow the doctor to tell you what to do because us as mothers know better. Mm-hmm. Now, and, as, and, sorry. Yes. Oh, I was going to say, as a result of your experience, you, you and your son have started a charity. Can you tell us more about that? Correct. So um, when we were um, moved out of of Red Cross, um, we were so impressed with them and loved them so much that we thought we will make a a teddy a day for the Red Cross patients. So we started our little Jedi Teddy campaign and it's just sort of rolled on from there. Eventually people wanted to buy them. So we gave the money to Red Cross, the pain clinic. And um, now we send our Jedi Teddies all over the world to children who are suffering from crip to tell them jed writes a little story for them on a little um, photo of himself saying if i can do it so can you and we try and say that they must just stay positive and that they can win they can beat crips and do you have a website that if somebody wanted to donate or wanted to uh how would they contact you if they wanted to get a teddy or they knew somebody who was diagnosed Correct. We've got uh, our website is jettyteddy.net. And we're on Facebook as well. And you can see it's contact details on there. So we actually we send out a CRIPS, we call it a CRIPS care package. And we hope that it just makes somebody more positive and we tell them they've got a voice down here and we're fighting for them. Well, and I think it's great that 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 connection is letting other kids know that they are not alone. Yes, that's good. Well, Shauna, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, I hope that the rest of the world can hear us. That would be good. Thanks for listening, everyone, to this episode on Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. It is Complex Regional Pain Syndrome Awareness Month, and that's why I did this episode. It was something that was really shocking for us when we got this diagnosis. And I think the most important thing to take from it is that there's a whole world of things out there that you may not know about, and you just really never know what somebody else might be experiencing. And 
If you don't have to deal with CRPS, consider yourself lucky, but also know that you never know what somebody else has on their plate. Thanks for listening today. You can find the show notes uh, on our website at www.boysbuiltbetter.com. Please subscribe to the show if you enjoyed it and leave us a review. The reviews are now being posted. I was on iTunes and saw one and I would love to have a few more. So subscribe and leave a review. Both of those things help other people find the show. And I'll talk to you next time.